You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Fresh off our own 10-year, 503-cent deal. It's the POD cast. Pride of Detroit podcast is here for all your Detroit Lions talk, chat, NFL chat, and a whole bunch more. My name's Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of the POD cast. I'm the interim coach of the POD cast, and we got a whole crew with us today. Um, before I get into what we're going to talk about and our, uh, our guest this week, I do want to send a shout out to our own Ryan Matthews. Get well soon, buddy. Hopefully we get to see you again next week, but uh, in the meantime, get healthy, get better, and uh, and we hope everything goes well with your rehab. Yeah, hey, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two X is not real. Just, just <laughs> letting you know. Just letting you know, Ryan, you can't do that in real life. Yes, <laughs> that voice you hear there, of course, the former adequate host of of the POD cast and it our good friend, former Chris, no, here. <laughs> yes, inadequate host now. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Chris Perfett is here at Chris Perfett on Twitter. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Um, dealing with my own stuff right now. You know, a little, little fun, little mini quarantine for myself. But uh, things truck along here. It is hot as hell. We, uh, I don't know. Do you think we're going to have more fireworks, Jeremy? I mean, in L.A., you're going to have fireworks for the next two weeks. Oh, oh, oh no, I know that. I know that. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to do this. All right. And our second guest, you may have also heard him around there, uh, uh, the deputy editor of Pride of Detroit. Um, I think I've also called him something else, the deputy manager or something. Deputy manager slash editor slash cop, I guess, deputy, the cop of the blog. (laughs) That's Mansoor Shaheen, at Mansoor Shaheen on Twitter. Mansoor, how you doing, bud? Pretty good. A lot of fireworks here, too. They don't stop. Yep. They don't. They don't stop. Dude, I was, we were playing Mancer and I were playing video games together. We were both on discord the other night and literally it sounded like someone was firing a howitzer outside of his window. <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah, they, they, they don't stop. Everyone's bored. So they're doing it in the neighborhoods, not even like out. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. This week on the podcast, we are talking, we are finishing list cast. We are saying goodbye to 2020 list cast with the top 10 cornerbacks of the NFL season. And get then the we're going to get out of here. Let's cast. Yes. Unfortunately, unfortunately, maybe, I don't know. Uh, and then we're going to get into your mailbag, which, which touches on a whole bunch of different topics, including training camp, 4th of July, um, roster stuff. We're going to get into all that, but let's just jump right into our list cast. Is there a list cast theme this year? I haven't been listening to the episodes, but there is, uh, all right. You've not been giving me time to th- insert it. I have been interrupting you and just playing it anyway. It is not the, uh, the hardcore punk list cast that I did in the first one when I was here, it is our usual list cast. So, uh, there's cast. No, here's the real theme. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> 
All right, let's start our list cap. Okay. Beautiful. Sounds as good as ever. You killed it. Yeah. I mean, it's got my voice in it, so of course I'm going to play it. I'm vain. Of course. Of course. All right. So this week, like I said, we did uh, cornerbacks. Um, this year, this week, we had seven people on staff vote. Myself, Hamza, Ryan, John, Jerry, Mansoor, and Chris. Um, we had 16 different people land on our list, but uh, we're only going to go through the top 10. We're actually going to talk about some of the guys that didn't make the list as well. And let's start. I want to start with Chris's list because Chris's list was interesting in that he almost nailed the consensus top 10. Everyone that he put on his top 10 made the top 10, except for one guy, one up and comer who ended up placing 14th on our list. He had three people vote for him, including Chris, Chris had him 10th on his list. Yeah. Ohio that would be State, former Ohio state Denzel Ward. Yeah, that would be Denzel Ward, Cleveland Browns. He's had two years of service in the league right now. I I just, I think, you know, he hasn't played a, he hasn't even played a full season yet, Jeremy. He's only, yeah. he played like, he's played 26 games over two seasons. Uh, he's, he's, he's got, let's see here. He's had 22 passes defended in those two years. He is growing. It's when we talk about this. I know we talked about this before. When we talk about cornerbacks for the Lions, Jeremy. The corners take time to grow in the league and he has been consistent in his appearances. He looks really solid. And I think he has the potential for a breakout season. If we have a, tw- a full 2020 season. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he definitely gives hope. I think for someone like Jeff Okuda too, right? Like the guy was picked fourth overall out of Ohio state and made his, made the pro bowls first year. Yeah, um, Ohio State had a really good defensive backfield the last few years. Like, oh, we absolutely. really cannot last, like last ten years, like every last ten time. years. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Monster, you had yeah. him on on your list as well. I believe you had him at eight. What? At eight. You had him eight, so, so you had him even a little higher. What do you like about him? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those rare cases where like usually a dude like if a player plays well in his first career NFL game, everyone always overreacts and like, wow, this guy's going to be a star. He's going to get a million career interceptions because he got two in his first game, but he's actually like continued to play super well. He's a super good playmaker, very athletic, very like lengthy, kind of, kind of like Okuda in that way, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's all over the ball. He flies around the fields. He's, his he's very like instinctual. He always feels like a beat ahead of the receiver. So yeah. And I think just like Chris said, he could definitely have a big breakout year and kind of take the next step right now. The interception numbers aren't there for what you'd expect for like a playmaking corner. It's only like five in his career and two of them came in like his first game, but I think he could really like take the leap and have like six or seven this year or something. Yeah. The, by the way, him picking off that deflected pass taking to the house last year too was just magical. <laughs> I want more. Uh, two other guys that didn't make the hit the list were two Dolphins guys. Uh, the guy I was pulling for, I had him uh, eighth on my list was Xavier Howard, but Byron Jones also didn't make the list despite he he came in at eleventh. Four people voted for him, including Mansoor. Um, Mansoor, I'll throw it right back to you. What do you like about Byron Jones? Who you had seventh on your list? All right. Byron Jones has, he has a few problems. Like maybe sometimes he gets beat deep a little bit. Like, I think, I think he sometimes highlight plays happen against him. So like the conversation on him is super like back and forth. Like, Oh, he sucks. So he's really good, but he's, he's a elite corner, strong tackler, great footwork. He's very physical. Like he just, he beats people up. Uh, he's also like one of the best run defending corners in the league, which is not something you think about, but right. 
Uh, especially on a defense like the Cowboys where the linebackers really struggled last year, all three of them took huge steps back. Like having him like come up and clean up on run defense so often was very big. And yeah, no, he's definitely a hugely underrated name. I think, I think it's kind of that like Twitter stigma. I mentioned with Kirk Cousins before where like if a guy is often the result of other people's highlights on Twitter, then the conversation on him gets super skewed. And and I had Xavier Howard on my list. He, I mean, I think he gets lost in the conversation a little bit because he he was injured last year, didn't play. I think he played like five games or so. Um, but he was coming off a seven interception season, um, seventy seven point three in PFF in, in twenty eighteen. Just you know, coming off the heels of of having a huge contract, I think he deserves to be in the in the conversation. Um, I may have had him a little high at eight, but at the same time, I think he's definitely a top 10 ish corner. If he, he, I think he just needs to provide like have a bounce back year um, off this injury. You never really know off of uh, an, an injury filled season, how they're going to bounce back, but he kept growing, kept getting better up until that 2019 season. And, and I, I feel like he can bounce back and, and I think he will in 2020, especially having a guy like Byron Jones there to, to maybe give him more opportunities to catch the ball uh, as a defender. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, him and Jones together, they're, those are two of the top five highest paid corners in NFL history. In the same backfield. So they, they better, they better work out for my, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys ready to kick it into our top 10? Let's go. All right. Our number 10 on the list. Ironically, none of us voted for this guy. None of us three voted for this guy, but he <laughs> made it there on him. almost exclusively because one Ryan Matthews, from a hospital bed, put him fourth on his list. Marcus Peters not. is our number 10. Maybe got a little too much morphine. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Jones, number 10. Come on. <laughs> the oxy talking here. Um, but since there's no one here to defend that choice, let me run through some stats that, that do make sense. Marcus Peters has 13 interceptions since 2017, which is tied for the most. He was third in PFF grade last year, 83.9. 14 passes defended two interceptions last year. He's good. He's good. He's yeah. getting up there in age, but he's he, he's good. What monster? You you don't he, like this? He he might be he might be the worst first team All Pro corner that I can remember. I wow. I mean he's a name. He definitely was. Oh, he was like his first like two or three years in Kansas City. He was incredible. Like I was talking yeah. about uh, like Denzel Ward's playmaking ability. Like Marcus Peters blows him out of the water, but he's, he's fallen off hard. He went to the Rams and fell off and then they got rid of him. And he was, I don't know. I don't know. First team all pro. I was so confused when I saw that. I guess it's <laughs> like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's a name. I think, now. I think what it is is like, he's, he's got high, he had highlights last year. He returned two fumbles for touchdown. Yeah force two fumbles. That's impressive. That makes highlight reels. But I mean, and he, he has a decent enough stat line, three interceptions, 14 passes defended, not fantastic, but exactly. yeah, like, like you say, it, 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 what's up? CB wins. wins. He played for a team that was like, <laughs> 13 points. games. Points. Yeah. Yeah. He's scoring you points. I actually, I don't think he lost a game with the Ravens, right? No, well, he doesn't. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I mean CB wins. That's that's what <laughs> Mike Payton on here to yell at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to our number nine. Uh, Casey Hayward is our number nine. I had him all the way at six. Uh, Monster, you did not have Casey Hayward on your list at all. So let's start to you. Why? Why no Casey Hayward? 
Uh, I mean, I don't think he's unlike Peter. I don't think he's bad or anything. He's probably like top 12, top 13. Just, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there's just so many good corners right now. He yeah. falls out of the conversation a bit. Also like last year he was really quiet. So yeah, but no, nothing like, I think he's bad. Definitely like top 13. Hayward is really going to benefit with Michael Davis opposite him. That might be a really good tandem there in, in for the Chargers. Just back and yeah. forth between the two. I know like Davis himself is one of the best, uh, is one of the top zone coverage cornerbacks. So we'll see how much really goes Hayward's way. I had him pretty high. I think he's he's got the resume. He's not going to fall off. I like him. So just... Yeah, I know he right. He came in like what fourth in PFF last year, I believe, as well. And yeah. he was he was like he had six interceptions last year and thirty eight passes defended. Like he, he's he's made really good production. That well, yeah, that, that's over the last three years. But yeah, I mean, oh, he's, yeah, yeah over the last three years. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think part of the reason maybe he's low on people's list is just he's not he's not in his heyday, right? Like when he kind of hey, came on. Hey. Hey, we're I mean, day. He, his, hey, his we're first day. couple of years in San Diego, San Diego, Los, well, it was San Diego. Yeah, no, those were, those were incredible. But like, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind yeah. of not that anymore. And it's not, he's yeah. bad. He's just not right. that. 2016 and 2017 were, were two time pro bowl, two time all pro he's 30 now. So you're, you're getting worried that maybe the speed's not there, but, but like, like uh like Chris pointed out, I mean, if you go by PFF grade, he's still fantastic. He's still top five. He's still capable of a top five performance in this league. So I do think he deserves to be part of the conversation. That's why I had him six. Um, let's let's just keep the, the list moving here. We're 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 going at a good pace here. I like it. Uh number eight, Jair like Alexander, him. the only NFC North guy to make Jake. this list. That's currently on the NFL, kind of. I should say. <laughs> um, I didn't have him on my list, but I'll get to why first. Let's let's throw it. Let's throw it to Chris first. You had Jair nine on your list. Yeah. Once again, I think this is the matter. Kind of like with Ward, I think it's a matter of I think it's it's a guy who's going to take a great step forward. Yeah. Uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, had him twenty on their list of the best twenty-five players under the age of twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he had a two year contested target percentage and forced incompletion rate rate. Excuse me. I'm reading stats very fast. That mm-hmm. places him about um, in both among top 10 at his position last year. Like, I mean, over those two years, I should say, like there's a there's a lot to la- to like about him. He forced 20 incompletions last year. And I think he's just going to have an, he's going to have a lot more to, uh, to work with when it comes to the, the Packers defense. I think they'll probably really, they're, he, they're going to stick him on your best wide receiver in green Bay. I believe, I think I, I, now that I know what green Bay wants to do with this, with its schemes under its new coach, I, I, all I'm going to say is Jair is going to have a really good, a really good season. I think. Monster, you had him even higher on your list. You had him fifth, five. top five yeah. guy for you. I I wish I could put him higher. Even like going to this, I thought I would have him higher, but there was like you know. Then I had a few names. I was like, okay, I can't. But Jair Alexander, he's he's so good. So first, he's tiny. He's five ten, one ninety six. But yeah. like he plays big. He beats people up. He throws he throws people around the line of scrimmage. He's he's a great playmaker. He like for someone as small as he is and not very lengthy, it feels like he's lengthy the way he just kind of 
always on top of the ball, always on top for receivers. Just, just yeah, stretches an incredible out. playmaker. Really yeah, stretches yeah. Out. Just his, he's he plays big, a lot bigger than what he is. Just like incredible playmaker, flies around the field. He's like a little gnat that's just bothering <laughs> receivers. And like of Green Bay, this kind of like defensive backfield project they're doing, where they just draft these like skinny, hyper athletic dudes and throw them back there. He's kind of the only one who's working. Like the other two, uh, what's the corner? Other one, Kevin King, mm-hmm. not good. Uh, the Maryland safety. Oh my God. Darnell Savage kind of was rough last year, but yeah, Jair Alexander, he's making that project look worthwhile. Like just getting one player of that caliber is huge. I think like, I mean, Chris mentioned he makes a leap next year. I'm not sure if there's a leap he can even like still make. I think he's he's just already there. So yeah, he's, he's there. Like he's already so good. I, I do think he's a really good, really talented guy. And I'm not going to take anything from his first two years. The fact that he had 28 passes defended in 29 games played in his first two years, nothing short of fantastic that's 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 a hell of a start to a career (laughs) i do think there's another step that he needs to take though to to really be considered a top 10 guy whether that means i'm not a guy that puts a ton on interceptions i mean he only has three in his in his career but those will eventually come they just kind of come it's to me it's more about just locking down a side of the field and i don't think he's necessarily really done that yet like Pass rating allowed last year was 92.4, which isn't great. Of course, if you get interceptions, that number drops a lot. So um, the, the low interception count might have something to do with that. But I don't know. I, I You know, the reception rate against him is 57.7, which is obviously good for him. You, you expect completion percentage around 62, 63 for uh, an average guy. So he, he's, he's getting there. And I really – I do think 2020 could be like the year where he – gets like all pro consideration and pro bowl consideration and all that sort of stuff um, where he hasn't really, you know, sniffed any of that yet in the NFL. But I, I think he just, I, I need to see it on the field. I need to see that, that breakout ish year. And then I'll, I'll talk about him. Like I could very, very easily see him on in the top eight, top seven of my list next year. No question. Yeah. Good see it. All right. Number seven. Whew. <laughs> Well, uh, I no. said there were no more NFC North corners on the list. And technically that's true. It is true. He's gone right, now. <laughs> Darius Slay is our number seven on everyone's list, but one let's all boo Jerry Mallory, who did not have him on his list. I know he's listening. Uh, he was as high as... To give Jerry credit, I could see Darius Slay struggling to adapt to a new scheme and just falling off. Like I, that I is, switched Darius Slay for Xavier Howard at the last second. So, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, enough, I, I have my reason for why he's going to be top 10, but get to your, your point first, Jeremy. Yeah, I was just saying he was as high as five on a couple people's list. Uh, Hamza and, and John both had him at, him at number five. Um, Chris had him at eight. Montour had him at 10. I had him at nine. So right around where we all kind of had him. Um I, I guess the big question everyone's having is what what's with the 2019 season? Cause 2019 wasn't a good season for Darius Slay. Pretty much any metric you look at was, was a huge downswing for him. His PFF grade was probably the worst metric of all where he was what he had a PFF grade of 56.4, um, which is not good. Not yeah, good how at much, all. Can I ask you this and not to stir this pot a little bit more that's been kind of bubbling for, I would say about a week now, but um, how much of this is because the, that according to Darius Slay, the lions never concealed their coverage schemes. I'd say none. 
but like, yeah. there's, a, there's a bigger problem, but it's not I, that. I know it's a bigger problem, but I'm just saying, like, when he confirms that, I think he's basically trying to pass that excuse off as saying, that's why I didn't do so well last year is because I couldn't, you know, you couldn't do any exotic coverage schemes out there. It's just, yeah, but... Yeah, I think I yeah. think he'll be fine. He's he's going to slot in pretty well in <laughs> Philadelphia. They they're going to lean on him even heavier than I think the Lions will. I know they're counting on him to be a mentor, but he's got he's got the chance to really you know go out there and I mean the division he's playing in too. It's not exactly like there's great. He's going to have to worry about great uh, uh, cor- quarterbacks to beat on those throws. There are absolutely some people playing in that division that he can just, he can, he will read them and jump the route. There is an elite quarterback in that division though. Uh, only not, one, Dwayne, Dwayne has only one. Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think for Slay's numbers, kind of what Jeremy was mentioning with Jair, where like the numbers don't maybe match up entirely what's happening. I mean, obviously Jair is much better than Darius say last year, like you can tell on my list, Steven, but like, I think part of the reason why the numbers may not be there is because he has no help. Like, especially yeah. when you're playing like corner, if the free safety is behind or the safety behind you are kind of worthless. Like when Will Harris or Darnell Savage are in the wrong place all game, it's, your stats are going to suffer because of it. And even like your interception numbers, you know, like if the quarter, if the quarterback's not often having to like adjust because of the safety's placement, then it's harder for you to like grab those balls. So uh, I think Slay definitely did take a step back last year, but he wasn't as bad and not as big a step back as I think a lot of people like to say he did. And I think PFF, PFF is interesting. Um, that's what I'll say there, but they were very, very harsh to him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it was definitely, it was, it was definitely, I think he was absolutely incredible in 2017 and 2018, like top five level. I mean, he's first team all pro in 2017. And I think just a slight step back got in the midst of what it was a large failure of our entire defensive backfield got like super overblown, but he's still like a great, great top tier corner. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even think we mentioned how, lackluster the lines pass rush was which ultimately has a huge effect on his ability to cover Um, put pressure on the quarterback guess what they're going to be more comfortable beating the uh the secondary that's just what it is you're going to have to cover longer and it's going to make you look bad because no no corner can cover for more than six seconds that's way too much to ask of a corner um and and yeah i mean just i i can't erase the past two seasons because of one bad season. You, you look back to 2017, no one has intercepted more passes than Darius Slay since 2017. No one has defended more passes since Darius Slay since 2017. And so one bad season is not going to erase all that goodwill for me. Uh, still a guy that that is capable of being a shutdown corner in this league. He's still a guy that, like, like Chris said, they're going to ask him to be that cover corner, that guy that shadows people. That That's one thing about a lot of guys on this list is they aren't put in the situations that Darius Slay is where they have, where he has to shadow the number one guy. And there was a lot of talented guys in the NFC North that he had to cover um, a fair amount of talent in, in the NFC East, but I would say probably not as much amongst the wide receivers there. So I could see a bounce it's, back here for him. It's a competitive step down, no matter which way you slice it. He's not having yeah, I mean, to shadow Stefan Diggs. He escaped. He escaped Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, but Terry McLaurin gave him. That's true. Hell last year, so yeah, That's true. But he still has a bad quarterback throwing to him, so we'll That's see. True. It might not matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. There, we are going to break into our top six 
which is actually our top five because we have a tie at number five. Spoiler alert. Coming up when the Lipscast, the Cast returns. And we are back with the POD cast talking top 10 cornerbacks of the 2020 season. When we left you, we had counted down our top or bottom seven through 10, which was Darius Slay, Jair Alexander, Casey Hayward, and Marcus Peters. Now we're going to crack into our top five ish because instead of a number six, there's a tie for fifth between two guys. Ooh, Marshawn Lattimore, the young and Richard Sherman, the old. Mansoor, you are chomping at the bit to talk about this because <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore did not make your list. What? Wait, Richard what? Sherman was your number three. So yes. you think there's a mountain of difference just, between these two guys? These, are, these two guys being together is insane to me. So first, we're like Richard Sherman, his entire career, like in Seattle and San Francisco, he basically picks one side of the field. I think it's usually the left side of the field. He picks that side and he's like, the court, the quarterback might as well just not look that way. You know, like just, yeah. just don't leave it alone. Don't throw that way. Cause that, that's what he does. He, he like, I mean, he, both teams, he's played like, like base cover three defenses takes the deep left third and just swallows it. It's a, like a black hole on the field. And I, I mean, even his, his numbers for a player who doesn't really get targeted that often are actually not super bad. Like he had 11 passes defended last year, which is like, good for a guy who doesn't get targeted super super often but yeah like the year before only four passes defended the year before he's injured i guess but only seven coming off an achilles tear too there was like a lot of fear that he would kind of fall off hard so i really wasn't expecting him to get like all pro honors and everything last season but yeah he really he really showed up and he proved that he's still just one of the best in the game one of the best all time on the other hand marshall Lattimore, he's he was really good his rookie year, but like since he just like one week he'll play like an absolute stud, and then the next week he, the dude's just lost. And I think if you only look at the good games, I think he's like the best corner in the NFL. He'd be number one on my list. But like the problem is eight games. It's like the Carson Wentz problem, where eight games a year he's like the greatest player of all time. Then eight games a year he's he's worthless. Like throw him out. So I I don't know. I I, I guess I prefer the consistency to the to the uh, like kind of boom bust style play. So like Marshall Lattimore, he didn't sniff my top 10. Didn't sniff it even? No, I, he would be like in top 20, he'd be there, but he wasn't like, like, wow. you know, like Xavier Howard and Casey Hayward were like top 12, top 13, but like Lattimore, I probably not. I don't, I don't, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I, I had these guys three and four on my list and, and it's really interchangeable for me because I, I mean, there's no question to me that, that, that Richard Sherman has been the better cornerback throughout his, his career. And maybe, maybe if you, you, you look back in his past seven, eight years or whatever, and I don't know if Marshawn Lattimore has ever played at that level that much. I, I, I can agree with, I guess my issue is just like it's projection at this point, because Richard Sherman is up in his thirties because Marshawn Lattimore is, is now entering his fourth season after having, I would say one really good season, one good season, and then one not so good season. Um, and and granted, you know, young players don't necessarily get better all the time. And, and maybe that won't be the case with Marshawn Lattimore. But I, I feel like he's got the talent. He's got the experience. I, I don't have a reason to think that 
the the rookie season was a complete fluke because he still shows up in in some of those games. Yeah, there is a consistency problem. And yeah, that's like the biggest one of the bigger problems you could have as a cornerback is consistency. I mean, your job is to be consistent. Um, I think both of these guys, though, are just like extremely talented guys. And and I I had, you know, even honestly, after listening to you, I I feel like maybe I should have put Sherman three and, and Lattimore four, but I do think they're closer in talent than, than maybe you're giving them credit for. I had Marshawn Lattimore pretty high on my list. I think I had him fourth. You did, uh, yep. Yes. Like there's, I, I understand that he's had like a quiet season, but I'm not kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I'm not willing to throw out the rest here right now. I think you, you, when you look at the, the players around him too, having Janoris Jenkins is probably an upgrade over Eli Apple. So (laughs) I'm an Eli. I like Eli Apple. I'm an Eli Apple. I know you do. I know. I know you're an Eli Apple character, but I just, I don't, there, there's no reason for me to not. I haven't seen anything grievous out of Marshawn Lattimore. He's not getting beat that hard, and he has all that promise, and he's, he actualized that promise at a decent enough clip for me to sit here and stump for it. Richard Sherman, I know we were talking about this before the show, Jeremy. I just think eventually time catches up to him, and I know time has been wrong so far for Richard Sherman. Yeah, But I just think... Dude, and there's nothing to take away from Richard Sherman. Nothing. He, he's going right. to go dead. like I, I'd put him in the Hall of Fame right now. I, I really would. Yeah. He's he's no question. Not not just for what he's done on the field, but and not just for what he does. He means for the NFLPA, but consider just how it's his play and how he talks revolutionized how we talk about cornerbacks. We were, we've been sitting here talking about cornerbacks we don't, you, we didn't used to do that until Richard Sherman came around and started like all these conversations about it. And he still plays like a hell of a beast, man. It's easy forget to forget about him out there in, in San Francisco. They've got it. You know, they've got, they put a lot it of power in front. What? It was easy to forget him. I don't it think was, it was easy to forget it him last year. It's, it's really easy to forget about him because he just, he just doesn't show up on the screen. Like the ball's never going to him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I like. You, you lock down that corner. Yeah. And guess what happens? And you know, I, I everyone's mean, too scared to throw to you. So of course you can't produce those stats, but if people mm-hmm. are scared to throw to you, you've already done your work. You have sunsued the bleep out of them by saying they don't want to even go to war against you. Yeah, don't don't need to have passes defended if the ball if the pass is never coming in the first place. There's nothing yes. to defend. And I, yeah. I think it's worth pointing out just how unheard it is for someone to be doing that at like 31, 32. Like Daryl Revis's career was done by then. Like Akib Talib has kind of fallen off. Charles Harris Jr. Like all these guys that were playing, you know, consensus top three guys for for years and years. But once they hit like 31, 32, it was over. And the the last Richard Sherman thing I want to say, passer rating allowed last year, 45.3, better than anyone else on this list. 45.3. That that's a great stat because it, it, it factors in the fact that he's not being targeted much. This is a rate stat. So at, every time he's targeted, pass rating is 45. Complete the pass. Yeah. Still can't complete the pass. That's yeah. That's ridiculous. That's the thing. It's, it's even if teams think he's losing a step, every time they challenge him, they are proven wrong. 
Like All it's right. not it's not just like he's being hidden back there yeah. and no one's bothering that the aura of Richard Sherman is is silencing people. No, it's that sometimes he does remind you why he's Richard leaving Sherman. Yep. No question. And he showed up big in the playoffs, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four, Marlon Humphrey. Last year, fourth in, P- in passes, or I'm sorry, past three years, fourth in passes defended with 44, or I'm sorry, 40, um, and seven interceptions in the past three years, tied for 14th on this list. Um, let's throw it back to Mansoor. You had him number four on your list. What do you like about Marlon Humphrey? Yeah, so first half of the year, he really was keeping the Ravens defense like afloat. Like the, the Ravens defense were having a lot of problems pretty early on. And it was kind of just Marlon Humphrey being a little string holding it together. And uh, I mean, like similar to what I said with, uh, I don't even know who I said it with earlier, but like where it's just one guy playing just a sea of like nothing and holding it all together. Like he, great man coverage corner, just lines up across the guy, uh, takes him out of the game. I think one of the reasons Marcus Peters got so much attention last year is because he's on the screen a lot because Marlon Humphrey is covering the other side of the field. And maybe that's yeah. why Marcus Peters is racking up uh, so much camera time and so many passes defended because he's getting the ball thrown at him a lot. But yeah, Marlon Humphrey's definitely a, he's a great cover guy. He's not like a big time playmaker. He's not making like highlight plays. So he's kind of easy to forget. I do think he ended up getting an all pro designation, which is, Really nice, but yeah, just not to the same extent of Sherman. And obviously, he's more of a man guy than a zone guy, but he does do the thing where he's just like, I'm finding your top receiver and he's not playing today. Like, that's what's happening. He's, you know, you're not going to throw the ball to him. Yeah, with Marlon Humphrey, I kind of feel the same as Jair Alexander, although obviously a, a little bit better. Like him, he's been in the league three years and been you know, productive in, in, in all of them, 11 passes defended his first year, 15, the second year, 14 last year. Um, so he's consistently getting his hand on the ball. He's consistently breaking up passes. I am, I am waiting for something a little bit more, but I think part of the issue is just like everyone on that Baltimore defense is really good. Everyone's getting attention. The, the, it's, it's almost like an offense that has too many skill positions and the ball keeps getting spread around. It, it kind of feels that way with Marlon Humphrey. Like, everyone is getting opportunities on that Ravens defense to, to make a play because there is no weak spot on the team. Um, but, but even, even his interception, you know, seven interceptions the past three years is nothing to, to, you know, shake your fist at. So um, solid, just to me, he's like solid, but not quite spectacular. He's still number five on my list. So he's still very, very good. I'm just waiting again for like that, that like, that year that puts him well above everyone that, that Darius Slay seven, eight interception year where it's like, Oh, Marlon Humphrey's here. We should all pay more attention to him. Chris, you got anything to say about Marlon? You guys have covered everything I want to say. All right. Then we don't crack before, before you ahead, go coming yes. off like Marshall and Lattimore, where we were saying Marshall and Lattimore, I think one thing Marlon Humphrey, it's like consistency. Like he's not mm-hmm. perfect yeah. every game, but I don't think, at least to my all, I don't remember him having a bad game last year, which is like for, again, for a corner, a bad game is like your team loses. So if you can place whatever, I think he played 16 games or at least like majority of games and not, not have a bad game. That's yeah, that's enough. Just don't make mistakes. That's what the position's about. All right, let's move into our top three. Number three, the biggest trash talker of them all. Mm. Jalen Ramsey makes it on our, list at number three not a huge year last year as he juggled uh between two teams but definitely a force in the past and in recent history 
Um, let's go to you, uh, Chris. What do you got to say about Jalen Ramsey? So he's good. I think I, I'm trying to remember where I put him on my list. I had him third overall. I, I honestly almost want to put him higher, but we're just butting heads at the top of the list here. There's two guys that absolutely belong above him. He belongs where he belongs, man. Like, I think it's going to be a little harder for him in the NFC West. He's going to have to compete against some pretty, pretty sizable talent. talent. He didn't really need to, he didn't have to deal with in the AFC South in the past. Like, I mean, you move to the NFC North, man, you're going to have to play against, you're going to have to play against the 49ers. You're going to have to play against Kyler Murray, who might, I think, I, I think we talked about this before in the quarterback podcast, Kyler Murray will take a step forward this year bet and I mean, he will yeah. have to play and, against russell bleeping wilson twice yeah. a year and like, jared goff or jared goff's on his team never mind <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. No. but he'll play against jared goff in in practice, in practice which will you know get his the interceptions up he will have to play against jared goff in the sense that jared goff will make more work for him because he's gonna have to be on the field more as the defense yeah, so. <laughs> no you are you are correct there mansoor just not in the way i think you intended to be correct but so i mean there's some questions to jalen ramsey but man like he's good. Like he's really good. I think the Rams are going to put him in man coverage and they're going to take, you know, a real good advantage of his particular skills. I trust the coaching staff and I trust the defense a little bit more in the Rams, which by the way, they, they kind of need that trust right now. Like Jalen Ramsey is being brought in to turn around a ship that is starting to flail and take on water. It feels like an eon ago since the Rams were in the Super Bowl. And I, but I think Ramsey is there and that like, you'll, you'll see him. Uh, I, sorry, I was just looking at some stats here. So PFF wrote about this when talking about man coverage, you know, and I, I place a lot of, I place a lot of emphasis on how a guy does in a certain scheme. So from weeks one to one through six, the Rams utilize coverage on 19% of their coverage snaps. It's 30th in the NFL. So that number rose to 34% over the remainder of the season. So they're changing their coverage. They're changing their coverage to match what they, what they have with Jalen Ramsey. Right. Um, so Monster, you and I had him lower on pretty much everyone than everyone else. I had him seven, you had him six, I believe. Um, was it, was it just like the, the, I mean, he took a big step down last year. There's, there's not really a lot denying that. Um, even when he got moved to, to the Rams, um, is that, is that a, a long-term concern for you or is this just kind of nitpicking, you know, a clear top 10 guy? Yeah, no, um, it's not really a concern. I think in Jacksonville, they had a lot of just like behind the scenes issues. And I think yeah. that can, especially for a player like Ramsey, who obviously plays very like emotionally, we all, I mean, you mentioned tra- top trash talker in the league and all that, that can manifest itself on the field. Then he got traded to Los Angeles and he, he kind of fell off the radar, but he did he wasn't like, I almost like forgot about him. Yeah. This is, but like yep. from what I like checked, like he actually wasn't too bad. He was fine. I think give him time to adjust to Los Angeles. He'll definitely like get back to, uh, a very high level. Um, but yeah, my, I mean, my top four, like I mentioned, like I mentioned with Jair with like my top four, which were the two guys left Sherman Humphrey. I think those are just going to be my top four. So I put Jair over him. I prefer Jair. So him at six, but it wasn't like, I think he's bad. It's just, there's just a lot of top five corner talent. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I do think it's a little bit concerning. I mean, sometimes you see people, players who, who, 
who do play that emotionally, you know, sometimes get in their own head a little bit and it, and it can cause some long-term issues, but the, the guy is still incredibly young. He was one of the best cornerbacks from 2016 to 2018 in the league top five guy. And so I, I do think he absolutely deserves to be on the list. I do think he's maybe a tad high, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, with a full off season now with the Rams for him to completely bounce back and, and, and regain some form uh, from his previous years. But you guys ready to jump into our top two? Oh, wait, the big two number ahead of everyone else. Who, a guy who basically was either two or one on everyone's list, except for Ryan. And Ryan, was, let, let's put this way. He was one on everyone's list except for Ryan and actually Ryan no, he's had him. Two. He's two. I had him. Everyone had him two. I had so him one. You. I had him yeah. one. Yes. Ryan, the guy who had Marcus Peters at four, didn't have this guy top two. <laughs> right. Put him at five. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> Anyways, the guy's name is Tredavious White. Man who had, let's see, 17 passes defended last year, two interceptions. <laughs> Allowed a passer rating of 51.4. Ridiculous. Third best on this list. Um, over the past three years, thir- third in interceptions with 12. Fifth in passes defended with 43. The guy has just had a, an incredible career with a team that no one likes to pay much attention to. And I think maybe that's why he hasn't necessarily gotten all the postseason honors that, that he deserves. But he did get his first Pro Bowl and I think all Pro last year. Uh, who, wants, who wants to talk about Tredavious White? Well, I put him number one, so I kind of want to. That's, like, the floor I, is yours, yeah. I, 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 let, let's let's be clear. Like this is razor thin margin. I just I believe in the promise of Tredavious White, and that's why he got the bump to one over two over the person who is everyone else is number one, which we'll get to in a second. I'm sure people know who that is by now if they know anything about the NFL. But Tredavious White, I I was just talking about how. Ramsey really fits the man coverage and that the Rams are tailoring to it. Jadavius White is possibly, and I know Doug Farrar at NFL wire agrees with this, the best zone corner in the NFL. And that fits exactly what the, what the Ram, what the bills are doing. Uh, I just have some more stats here. You said, no, you know, you talked about the uh, white allowed 25 reception on 43 targets he had a positive play rate of 48.8. Don't, don't expect me to understand or tell you what that means. I just, it sounds impressive. Uh, you can go, that's the problem. I, we were talking about this earlier. Like it's really hard to look up a lot of these advanced stats because there's so many paywalls and they're scattered all over the place. Uh, he's just, he's a younger guy. And I think he's really like, you, you said it there, Jeremy, people don't pay attention to the bills, but you're going to have to, I know even though no one is, everyone's kicking and screaming about their quarterback position. The bills are really good, man. And they, they put him on that fifth year option on his rookie contract. Uh, they, they, he, he tied Gilmore last year for interceptions. Yeah. I think I said, I said two at the top. I, I meant to say six. He had six. Yeah, interceptions. Yeah, he tied, like, he's just really good. He's going to take steps forward. He's only 25 years old. He's going to play opposite Josh Norman. Like I, I, yeah, I just, I I don't know, man. He he doesn't get a lot of, he doesn't even get many passes thrown his way to begin with. I said only really 43 to begin with. So already guys are not trying to challenge him. He's just good. He's just good. 
He's just good, man. That's what I said, I think. But that's what it is. I, I place a lot of emphasis. Zone's, zone is not something... Every time I hear someone playing zone, I kind of gasp a little bit. But if you're the best playing zone, man, and you can run that scheme, and you're the best at it, you're the best in my book. Answer what hey. you got. I think, yeah, so as zone corner, he's, he's, he's super different Sherman the way that, like, he isn't like a black hole type guy who just, like, sucks up an entire side of the field, but he has so much range. Like part of the reason why his like his uh, actual numbers are unreasonably high for a corner are be- is because like how much space he covers kind of like rookie or Jalen Ramsey, but or Jaguars, Jalen Ramsey, how he's just like running from like deep third to like the opposite pylon to like break up plays. He kind of does the same super lengthy, super good at playing the ball. He can cover his own third and the middle third at the same time, because he just has that like, that level like instincts and like football high level football IQ and stuff. And it makes, it does free up the safeties a lot. I know Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer get like a ton of attention for just like being just flying over the field. It's not them flying over the field. It's Travis white flying over the field with the amount of room with the amount of space he covers. They can, they can do what they want and abandon their assignments to come up field and make plays. So yeah, just, just having like a weapon like that. He's like what we want Tracy Walker to be almost a guy who's just flying around just that corner instead. But yeah. like, yeah, he's he's super rangy, super athletic. Def- I mean, yeah, number two, number two on the list for a reason. All right, let's go into it. Our number one, who would have been a consensus number one if it wasn't Not for one Chris, Chris Perfett <laughs> flipping the double birds to everybody. Xavius Stefan Gilmore with sixty nine out of seventy potential points in our voting. <laughs> Let's we've go over Gilmore's. It, right? What's that? I said we've all seen it. We all know what he's about. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's just <laughs> go over his way. resume based on last year's stats alone. Twenty passes defended, league leading. Six interceptions, lead leading. Passer rating allowed of forty eight. PFF grade of eighty two point seven, which was fifth best. You even want to stretch it back to the past three years. Forty nine passes defended, just third most. Ten interceptions was the sixth most. The dude is just a beast. How how does a guy like this just end up in New England is really my question. Tredavious White replaced him in Buffalo. That's interesting kind of, right? Like, yeah. like I mean, that's game changing <laughs> what happened. But I think, like, Gilmore, I mean, it's weird to say he's underrated because, I mean, he just got 69 out of 70 points in our thing. But, yeah. like, I think he's had, since he arrived in New England, he's had, like, a Hall of Fame level. You know, like, everyone knows he's good. Everyone yeah. making a list like this is putting him in top two, top three. But he, this is like a Hall of Fame level run he's having. This is like, he's one of the, maybe I guess because the numbers aren't there and the highlight plays aren't there maybe. But like, this is, this is like greatest of all time level type deal that's going on. You know, like he's, he's so good. Yeah. Back-to-back seasons with 20 passes defended is kind of unheard of. That stuff mm-hmm. doesn't happen. That's incredible. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what's really left. To, I mean, everyone knows who Stefan Gilmore is at this point. <laughs> like a legit Two-time. star. Legit yeah. star in the league. Yeah. Yep. And, he's, and, you know, I, he's, he's just about to turn 30 right at the beginning of the year. And I don't think anyone is even concerned about it. Like, no one's even bringing that up. That's how good he is. Nope. Because he's, nope. he's hitting his peak right now. I mean, that's that's maybe the reason I put him two over one. But again, like the, the the line between him and Tredavious White, in my mind, is so razor thin. I'm I'm saying to you guys, I think Tredavious White is really, 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 really good. That also applies to Stephon Gilmore. Like me putting him at two is not a slight. 
All right, let's go through our top 10 really quick before we head to break in the mailbag. Let's go from 10 to 1. Number 10, Marcus Peters. Number 9, Casey Hayward. Number 8, Jair Alexander. Number 7, Darius Slay. Tied for 5th between Marshawn Lattimore and Richard Sherman. Sorry, Mansoor. Number 4 is Marlon Humphrey. Number 3, Jalen Ramsey. Number 2, Tredavious White. And number 1, cornerback of the 2020 season, according to the Pride of Detroit list cast, is Stefan Gilmore. All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking... Lion stuff. We're going to be talking about training camp battles. We're going to be talking about rookies. We're also going to touch a little bit about Patrick Mahomes because that guy made some news on Monday. So stick around. Come back. It's mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail when it comes. I want to whale. Mailbag. Hashtag ask POD. Anytime y'all have questions for us that you want answers right here on the POD cast every week, which by the way, I think we're probably planning to move to Monday semi permanently. But when we get back into the NFL season, if it happens, uh, we will be doing our typical post game Sunday night POD cast. But for now, Probably expect us to record regularly on Monday nights. It'll be up there for you podcast listeners Tuesday nights. But before we get into the mailbag, uh, like I uh, addressed towards the end of the last segment, Patrick Mahomes broke the internet today, Monday, the 6th, by signing a 10-year deal worth up to, what, $503 with all of the... Over four hundred million. I haven't gotten all the details in front so of me. It's but. ten years, four fifty base salary, and I think incentives bring it to five hundred three. Was that the yes? And the incentives story? are yeah. basically, I think he gets an extra five or so million, or I think it's one point five or three or something million every time he wins an AFC or gets to the AFC Championship game and wins an MVP. So he can he probably won't reach five hundred and three million unless he literally wins MVP every single year from from now until. 20, 30, whatever. Um, you say but, that, but that is very possible when we're talking about Patrick. Oh, imagine, <laughs> imagine voter fatigue. Like they just don't want to vote for you. Again. Like they do James. That's what, that's what yeah. happened with LeBron James in the NBA, where it's like, Hey, we're going to give this to, we're going to give this to Derek Rose this year. It's like Derek Rose wasn't good. Like he was imagine fine. But he was better than LeBron James. What's that? <laughs> Imagine losing millions because of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's not a guy that I think we, we're going to have to worry about losing any sort of money. I mean, on roster bonuses alone, he's making $33 million. Making close to half a billion dollars. Yeah. I think, I think one of the craziest stats about his entire contract is his signing bonus. Do you know how much his signing bonus is on this potential $503 million? God Christ. What is it? It's 10 million. That's it. It's ten million. Get nothing on here. Nothing. There is some like random. Ashawn Robinson signing bonus might have been near that. <laughs> Probably more, honestly. Um, basically, the way the contract is working is basically his his salary is almost fully guaranteed. Oh, I think like two hundred or, or like three hundred of it is essentially guaranteed. I think the team has an option like almost every year to, to either exercise it or not. And if they don't, then he, then he has an easy out of his contract, which I think is the appealing part for him. Because when you look at this contract averaging, you know, thir- 35, 36, 37 million uh, a year, or I'm sorry, 40, 43, 45, 46, 47 million a year is really 
just kind of okay, especially when you get to 2030, 2029. Um, that, that might not look that good. But basically, from the way I understand it, and information is still coming out of it, like he'll have an out almost every year if the, the Chiefs don't want to pay it. Okay, here, here's the thing, because I'm already seeing some people saying in the, in the chat that the Chiefs are going to fall apart because they're paying so much to him. They're not going to be able to get other positions. That might be true in the long term, especially with the salary cap expecting to kind of roll back a bit because of what we've been dealing with with the coronavirus. But it's going to go back up again. And this deal, this deal, (laughs) this is kind of like what we were doing with Matt Stafford, right, guys? Like everyone was like, oh, my God, how can you give that kind of money to Matt Stafford? And suddenly Matt Stafford isn't within a couple years, isn't the highest paid quarterback. That is what the Chiefs are avoiding for 10 bleeping years. He, but Mahomes could be doing right now what Dak Pet Prescott is doing. Gambling on himself. That, I mean, forget that Dak Prescott's doing it and failing, but I'm just saying that strategy is there where you just sign shorter-term contracts and you just gamble on yourself and you just you ride the market in the short term. Just keep getting you know, more money locked up for 10 years. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's still friendly to the, it's psychotically enough. We're talking about half a billion dollars. It's still friendly to the team. If you believe that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to fall apart to injury, or he's not going to bloody Bobby Vanilla this or something, (laughs) he is going to be, he is the, this might be the only contract he, he signs in his career unless he like tries to get, he wants to ride out a few more years near the end of his thirties or something, which very well could happen. He's got the talent to do that. He absolutely has the talent to do that. You've basically you, you, you avoid any kind of contract. You avoid the market rising because the market will try to rise to meet this there won't be enough teams out there willing to put out half a billion dollars for 10 years and they will squander it and do shorter contracts. And they, they, they just, they won't, they will end up paying more for their quarterbacks and they're not going to get the same return as if they were paying Patrick Mahomes. They have the, the chiefs have bypassed the salary cap structure of the salary cap concerns for a quarterback and the market for a decade with this contract. Like, I get it. There's some risks involved. You're expecting Patrick Mahomes to continue to perform very well. But tell me what you have seen of Patrick Mahomes right now that leads you to believe that he is not going to be Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 years. Someone today tried yelling at me and saying, like, you know, it was saying, like, oh, he's, you know, he's a mobile quarterback. He's going to fall off. It's like that person hasn't watched football. This is not Colin Kaepernick. This is not in 2012. This is not RG3. This is that the guy's arm is a goddamn cannon. He has a few like he has a few mechanical problems, but over the course of the years, he's fixed those. He's been fixing those. He is going like he's going to be in our top 10 list cast for the next 10 years. He only has 500 rushing yards. Over his career. Yeah, I, I, that's not that's he, does dance, he does dance around though. Like he's yeah, he plays yeah, a lot. So Russell, but so does Russell Wilson, and we don't kill Russell Wilson for it. Yeah, I don't think Wilson to miss a game. Like, which is like a like big plus on the side of Mahomes. Yeah. Like Russell Wilson's yeah. never missed a game. I think Dak Prescott, another guy who really plays like kind of everywhere, has never missed a game. But I think with this contract being 10 years, it is it's an interesting uh you can kind of see how both sides 
win. You know, for the team, like what Chris was saying, where like the way that this market inflates, 45 million will be commonplace. Yes. You know, like 40 million might be commonplace this offseason when Dak signs. 45 million might be commonplace in like two or three years. So by the time if the if the market inflates the way it has been for the next 10 years, by the time that contract ends, it may be like 55 million or something. So like it might be a bargain for the Chiefs to end the contract. On the other hand, there is a concern on the player side, you know, like the salary cap will contract if there is no season this year, even if there is a season, there'll be like less revenue overall because of like all the billion things happening in the world right yeah, now. Some and advertisers just aren't going to come back from COVID. Mm-hmm. Just what there's a chance. Be. There's a chance that some of this revenue comes back. There's a chance that, I mean, there's a chance that like this COVID lasts for years. I mean, like when it comes to like playing games without fans and stuff, it, it might not be just a 2020 problem. It'd be like the last of 2021, 2022. I think uh, we'll the have economy. a vaccine one, but yeah. I hope, but you know, like just, just there's like, there's, if there's, there's so be much COVID 21 or a COVID 20. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's just so much up in the air right now. And also like the bubble, even without COVID, the bubble, the quarterback bubble might just like burst a bit. Like you have teams with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback winning the division. And if not for a double doing field goal, winning a playoff game and maybe making a run, you know, like it, it, it is possible unlikely, but it is possible to make a run without a quarterback. And with these, like it, it has become easier to build a winning team with a like draft a quarterback in the first round and try to just build around them rather than finding a guy like Mahomes and paying him a ton of money. So you could see maybe that bubble pop a bit and you'll see like one guy get up to 45 million and then it'll kind of go back down to like 40 million and stay there. So Mahomes is kind of protecting himself, almost guaranteeing 45 million a year over the next 10 years. When for example, like Dak Prescott, the problem with him and the Cowboys right now is that he wants, they want to give him five years while he wants four years because Prescott wants to gamble on himself again while the Cowboys yeah. want to hold on and hold on to him for the extra year of control. But on the other side, like that kind of could backfire on Dak, right? Like what if, what if Dak gets hurt? What if the, what if the market can't support a $40 million quarterback in five years, like, or in four years, like you're, you're playing, you might be like play out playing yourself a bit. So I think both sides win the chiefs get, the chiefs get more market control while Mahomes gets long-term security that, I mean, in this league, I mean, Alex Smith didn't even get hit and, it'll end it. You know, like how easily it all can just be taken yeah. from you. He gets like, that kind of just unreasonable is, level of security. I, I, yeah. This is a win-win contract for both parties. Mm-hmm. I agree. I do think in terms of injury, that's, that's the best case to make for, for Patrick Mahomes for signing a, a long-term deal like this. I would be incredibly surprised if we ever saw a quarterback bubble pop though, in this league, because even though the numbers look astronomical and continue to kind of get astronomical, in terms of like the cap percentage of, of these deals, it's really remained relatively flat. But that's what revenue, revenue keeps increasing. But it, right. will revenue like COVID revenue might just it will decrease. Off, the next plateau. Yeah, it will, I don't know about the next couple of years. It will decrease next year. But, you know, the fervor of the NFL is going to come back with a vengeance the year after. Yeah. Once they allow fans into that stadium again. Mm-hmm. People are going to be jumping to get it is, it is the one league where you don't like baseball. I think me and Mansur were talking about this last night. Baseball might be screwed if there's no season. They might be screwed even if there is a season, given just how some teams have kind of hidden their debt. Like, did you know, like, there's like, it, it, 
like there, there's like an up you can as a baseball team you can hold up to like seven billion dollars in debt right now and some teams absolutely are doing that the nfl isn't worried about that kind of stuff because the nfl is the a number one sport like i hate to say it it is still the sport where the sun and earth revolve around it it's, it's not, not it's, not, NBA it's coming close, but it's not the NBA, no the nba won't sniff it even uh, even mm-hmm. at its peak nba will not sniff what the nfl is right now and i will take that to the bank with my dying breath i am not one of these guys going out here saying the nfl is the greatest league ever but at the same time the N- the nba does not have the advantages that the nfl has in every regards for this thing but i I, 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 again, this this looks huge in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to pay off for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, no question. So I think when talking about like the NFL in particular, like I think there there's definitely like a bigger bubble. Like not, I mean, not just a quarterback bubble, but just a bigger bubble. Like right. the amount so of what? money in this league right now, there's just a bigger bubble. Like the amount of money in this league right now, and like these broadcasting contracts and especially now with COVID they're losing like revenue through advertising and the media companies themselves are losing revenue. And like, I mean, in soccer, you're seeing the champions league is having trouble selling the rights to their games. That's, this is the biggest club soccer tournament in the world that can't sell the rights to their games anymore. Just because like money and money is kind of, it's kind of drying up and like, well, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what the long-term effects of this virus are, but like, I could see, and NFL think, revenue stagnating, which would I, cause I, the cap to stagnate. I just have one more thing, and then Jeremy, you can you can wrap it up here. Yeah. I think the only way this pops for quarterbacks, though, is if somehow every year out of college we are just getting good prime quarterback candidates, and the cost benefit to let go of your quarterback to get a cheap young quarterback under a rookie contract just it, it flips the math. I think already for some teams, it does kind of flip the math. Unless you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, it probably is cheaper for you to just keep blowing it up and keep looking for those young quarterbacks in the draft. But once you have a guy, but like Mahomes surpasses that. And that's what I mean is that we're not at that position there where it is always acceptable to go and get the cheap young rookie quarterback. You just, it, it, it's not. The, the veterans, the, court, the best quarterbacks in this league still play until they're 40. The the one thing I want to just bring into the discussion is just like 10 years looks absurd. And the reason it looks absurd is because it is absurd. Like not only is it unprecedented <laughs> in this league, like we've seen 10, we've seen 12, like this once or twice before. Contract. But like think about the world that we're in right now. We don't know what next month is going to look like. That, that's what I'm saying. Like the yeah, yeah. Ten now, years revenue might just be gone. It might be your entire wrong. cap. You have no idea. Like, the, amount, yeah, the, way, the way the world is changing, the way the media landscape is drying up, this money, the amount of money the league has been bringing in these past five years or past decade, the next decade probably won't look like that at all. The cap is going, definitely going to contract in the near future. And it might, it might, I'm not, for sure, but like it might, it probably will contract even more. So Mahomes is getting this, like, you know, like he's not, he's not setting the market. Like Dak's not getting 45 million or any, he might get like 40 max, but like whatever, but like getting, getting his worth now and securing it for 10 years is definitely way better than rolling the dice when like the dice are kind of loaded against you. If you look, you know, just look around what's happening. <laughs> like they're definitely, yeah. All right, we got to move on to our actual mailbag. 
Uh, and I want to actually jump around uh, the order that I had laid out here and talk a little bit of Lions. And we'll tie it in with the cornerback talk because we have a cornerback question from Play to Win the Game on Twitter. He asks, SPOD, give your chances that Amani Oruarie opens the season starting over Jeff Okuda. Athletic with size, speed, plus a year of NFL experience goes a long way, especially with the shortened offseason, as that only hurts rookies. Are any of you putting any sort of thought into Amani Oruar being a day one starter? ahead of Okuda 10%. So actually what he mentioned with rookies, maybe struggling because of the reduced training camp, maybe because of that, but like, I would be kind of disappointed. Like, you know, just our number three pick is behind a fifth round pick out of the gate, but no, yeah. I, I, is going to, yeah. Akuda will maybe like sit out like the first one or two games, which again, September in the NFL is probably going to turn into the preseason with the quality of those games, figuring out your mm-hmm. rosters. But after that, as soon as we start to sniff October and if the season still continues as planned, it will be Okuda at that point. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee. There's, there's no question, you know, injuries aside that Okuda is going to be starter by, by week 17. He'll, he'll, he'll establish himself as a starter. I do Way think before he does them. almost day one. I I'm, honestly, I, maybe they don't put him out there with the first team in the first reps of training camp or whatever, but it won't be long. I think he's there by week one. I don't think you want to hand. I mean, Amani Oruari was, was good last year, but again, he, you say he has a year of NFL experience, but he was also injured for a good portion of that year. He didn't play a ton. He, he started what three or four games. It's not like this is a guy who, who was all over the field in his rookie season. He's a guy that remains relatively untested as well. And so I think you go with the number three overall pick rather than a fifth round guy. I think I mean, Alex Reno would agree with me on this, but I think uh, Coleman's probably in more trouble because Oruari can play inside. So if, if, if Oruari looks great in whatever limited camp we get, I think, I mean, I, depending on if Akuda looks how we think he will look, I think Coleman would be in more trouble because Coleman was, he was bad last year. He was very yeah, bad. That's the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question comes from the perplex express. This is an interesting one that we're going to have to kind of confer here on. Uh, he says, think of the top three player on the Lions by whatever metric you want to use. You have w- you have to trade one of those in exchange for a starter that you think is at the worst at that position. So let's just say Matthew, you say Matthew Stafford's the top three guy on the team. You basically, if you think he's the one that you have to trade, you have to trade him for the worst quarterback in the league. Let's just say Mitch Trubisky. Um, so which of those top three guys would you trade and why? So first, let's establish the top three players on the Lions. Stafford, Stafford. Galladay. Do you want to say probably either it'd be like Flowers, Ragno, or yeah, Flowers, Ragno? The fact that you're even hesitating kind of tells me all I need to know about the Lions in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) So Stafford, Galladay, Flowers, or Ragno? Whichever one you guys probably like more. I don't know. Probably Ragno for me. Ragno? Okay. I might say I'm not super, I'm not super like privy to the guards around the league. So I'm not going to touch that one. Yeah. Well, center now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I put the emphasis on. I'm like, I, I, like, I think I think I would I think do right now. I think the Lions have enough. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I would do Galladay, not because I don't like Kenny Galladay and think he's an immense talent and also young, which is all all very important. But one, you're about to have to pay him a heck of a lot of money. Two, you have a ton of other receiving options on this team, including good options at tight end and running back now. And, and three, like I don't know, your worst waters. If, if you bump Marvin Jones up to your, your wide receiver one 
And who knows, maybe Quintus Sivas turns out and he's your number two. And then you have Danny Amendola as your three. That's not, that's not horrible. I'm okay with I think, that. I think I'd replace Rag now on the team. Like, I'll take my ch- chances with Russell, Russell Bodine. Like, he weighs 300 pounds and he's from North Carolina. Like, fine. <laughs> Okay. The North Carolina, really. Wait, are we picking what player we're trading for, too? Or does that... No, I mean, I would still send Galladay away. Because, like, yeah, like you said, we have Marvin Jones. If we have one good interior offensive lineman, so let's... let's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we get rid of our starting center, like, suddenly that offensive line went from questionable to unquestionably bad. We just have a hole. <laughs> Every, it's Taylor Decker and then, like, a hole. Who, who and then... You? Maybe the worst guy that we're picking up then. The worst guy even from well from another team. Well, yeah, I don't know who the worst center is in the league, but I, was, I don't want him. We don't have to go I like would, one one on position, I think. Yeah, no, you're know, trading, I was, I was trading your starter for the worst okay. guy at that position. It'd be the worst starter at that position, right? So I'd say Nikhil Harry. There you uh, go. maybe not around. Miles Boykin, maybe. But yeah, one of those two. All right. Next question. Let's let's do some festive things. It was Fourth of July over the uh, the break here over the the weekend. NRS 001 asks, which POD staff member would have the best chance to win the Coney Island hot dog eating contest? So if it's a if it's a Coney Island hot dog eating contest, that must mean it's a Coney dog. We're eating Coney dogs, not just regular hot dogs here. Uh, what's a Coney dog? I what, like. What's the difference? Or, <laughs> Okay, forgive me. Not I'm from the so East Coast. Yeah, obviously, it's not chili. It's like a beef sauce, it's but it's not technically sauce. chili. Yeah, it's with, like chili, typically with onions and and mustard. mustard. Yeah. Wait, but they're just eating hot dogs. What? But the, the Joey Chestnut. This is a Coney Island no, hot dog no, eating contest. He, but the, the the hot dog, but Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Jeremy takes place oh, on Coney Island. Okay. Oh, does it? Okay, fine. Yes. Well, then let's so let's just consider it a regular right? hot dog. That that's torture to try to eat Coney dogs in a contest. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Exactly why we should do it. Um, you know what? I, I've got a dark horse. I want to hear your guys' answers first, but I've got a dark horse answer for this. I'd say Hamza because the gains. He's like, he's like, I don't know. I feel like. He probably eats a lot of protein to get big. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought he might be Chris's dark horse answer because yeah, I think that's a that's good reasoning for uh, an answer that you might not think because because he's probably one of the most fit guys. Yeah. On- My dark horse is John Whitaker. Oh, I, why is he that? He is young enough and small, and like you ever notice those guys that like Joey Chestnut? They look really small up there. They just yeah. have like insane metabolism. I am betting on, I am betting on the youth of our, Can- our lovely Canadian boy <laughs> tempered for years eating poutine to turn what around tra- and just walk hot dogs. What a tragedy, a Canadian winning a 4th of July contest. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Hold on, hold on. But you say that, but didn't Kobayashi get close to winning a few times? He's like Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, what? I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I no, you're not. It, it would be a disgrace <laughs> if a Canadian. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking Hamza too. I feel like that would that makes the most sense to me. We'll have we'll have to consult with him if, if he has a, the same amount of confidence in himself. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, sticking with the the Fourth of July stuff. Albino Coconut seventy one asks favorite Independence Day or tradition. 
we always listen to Paul Harvey's broadcast on how the Star Spangled Banner came about. Any of you guys have a, a yearly or annual tradition or maybe a, a distinct memory of, of 4th of July? I have a distinct memory, but I probably, if I share it, I will actually get in trouble, I think. Yeah, I think, um, we'll come, same with my, my, also, my example. Yeah, you, you, picked, you picked the two wrong people <laughs> to have on the podcast. The talk <laughs> patriotism. On holiday? You have to be. Oh, cynical. mine isn't even. Mine isn't even anti-patriotism. It's just like yeah. I don't think I can say it. <laughs> Listen, man, I used to hang around with punks and anarchists. Um, you know, like I, I will say the one thing I like to do. I don't usually get to do it on the Fourth of July all the time, but I mean, is there a better movie out there to watch for this holiday than Independence Day? No, of course not. Don't answer it because you can't. I but joked that it was dark. I, I think I, I think I know what you're going for there. I always would light fireworks though. Like if you just heard one, they're starting. If you can hear that, that's what I mean. It sounds like a <laughs> <laughs> I summoned them. I, the only thing <laughs> close to that is really bad. Yeah, <laughs> mute that. I'm gonna mute him. Is uh the one scene in uh, the Sandlot where I think it, it takes place on the Fourth of July. There's just there's fireworks going off the background, and there's that version of America the Beautiful. <laughs> America. America. That part. Um, but my my favorite memory, uh, I used to have a tradition, just like a lot of Michiganders going to a lake. We had we used to have a cabin up up north, Houghton Lake-ish, if you if you know the area. Um they had like a little boat parade that had a theme every year that we participated in. It was fun. It's kind of funny. Nice. I have a similar July. Yeah, grandmother and grandfather, my mom's side, they both lived in Connie at Lake Pennsylvania. So we used to go up there all the time and our cousins would come over and that Connie Lake was close enough to the Ohio border that we'd go over and get a bunch of fireworks from like black cat or whatever, or whoever was selling the fireworks and just come back, piss people off, uh, get the cops called on us a few times, terrorize squirrels with M eighties and, uh, just generally being shitheads. All right. We have run long due to the Patrick Mahomes talk. So we're only have time for two more, but I have to get this one from critical perspective. Cause I think we're all going to like this one. Yes. Would you rather at the outset of the season, you have to pick one of these two strategies for your NFL team. Number one, never punt or number two, never kick field goals or extra points. One Which hashtag one team never punt team, never punt. I would, I would definitely do the second one just from a strategic standpoint. Like you don't, you don't kick a field goal and you go for it on fourth and three from their 20 yard line and you don't, you mess it up. You're fine. Whatever you See, don't punt and your own inside your own 20 and you lose the game sometimes. So yeah, but definitely, what about, what definitely about the second one. Mancer, uh, what about if it's like two seconds on the clock and you have, you have the chance you would normally be able to kick a game winning field goal, but under your rules, you can't. So you have to hail Mary that shit. <laughs> I'm not giving up the so field. You marry that shit. The math is there from the high school level that punting, you don't need to punt, even when you're deep in your own territory. From the high like, school level, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they have from worse the high defense, school so you would imagine them turning level. him over. You just need one really athletic dude, put him at running back, and you're going to compete for punt. states every year. You never punt. I, the punch shouldn't <laughs> exist. I'm, you know, you both actually, I think, brought up really good points. I, I do think never kick field goals is, is definitely the, the less risk avert is the more risk averse one in that there's less risk overall. But 
end of game scenarios is, are going to be a hell of a lot tougher if you can't kick field goals. Hell of a you're lot. Also, you're also never relevant at the end of the game if the team is starting every possession at your 15 <laughs> yard line. It doesn't matter. <laughs> convert on fourth. You know, it's easy enough to convert on fourth. Do it. I mean, you would also operate differently, like on, on third convert down. Convert on fourth. You you're doing fourth. Yeah, and like we'll be, waste, we'll be wasting it down trying to establish the run or whatever. Like, just go right for it. Jim, Jim Bob Cooter gets vindicated. HP draw becomes <laughs> third and long play. Third and long, the, the HP draw is suddenly a great play. <laughs> All right, last question. Also comes from Albino Coconut 71. He asks, outside of sports, outside, I'm sorry, outside of football, what sports team do you just hate? For me, okay. for him, it's Duke. What's the your Missouri guy? Tigers. Duke is really tempting because I grew I I spent some time down North Carolina but I've got an answer for you and it is NBA but it goes to my pathology in general I hate every team from New York in general but I especially hate the New York Knicks I despise the New York Knicks, Knicks with all of my power in the world because they are never 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 Never, 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 listener, never, don't, don't bring up Patrick Ewing, never good. They are never good. They never win. And yet what the bleep leads off Sports Center every bleeping week sometimes? What the bleep leads off sports talk all the time? What the bleep seems to fill up our social media feeds is every time the New York Knicks stumble either into controversy or into some sort of God damn stroke of luck where they have a great player or something. People talk about the fucking New York Knicks. I am so, and this is the thing. This is the other thing about it too. New York itself, this New York city, a sucks B considers itself the Mecca of basketball. So even when they are wallowing in their self pity, they are pumping up their own self-importance that it is so important. It is a, it is like with the Cubs, what it used to be. It is a moral importance that the New York Knicks have to win a title. Why? Because New York is the Mecca of basketball. It lives in the ice in, in the school court on the school blacktop courts and in the streets. And it's, it's so damn important that New York one day just reaches it, that the Knicks represent New York and win a title, shut the hell up and go away. You are never good. And by the way, if you don't care about basketball, you can repeat this same process. I just talked about my entire rationale and apply it to hockey with the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) Wow. I feel like we should have started the rage corner music before you went into that. (laughs) the Knicks. Honest to God, I hate the Knicks. I hate, there. there is that specific New York sports fan out there that you know. Knicks, Jets, Mets. Their teams all suck and that's all they talk about and they suck up all the air around you that all they can talk about are crappy New York teams. They won't even talk about the Yankees, the one good team New York has. Munster, what's your answer? Um, so in 2018, the Washington Capitals were in the playoffs. We actually won the Stanley Cup Finals. And in the first round, we played the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, do you know how, like, on the scoreboard, there's, like, a three-letter abbreviation for every team? Yeah, CBJ. So the Columbus Blue Jackets was uh, CBJ. And that's really ugly, so I'm picking them. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
after Christmas. That's <laughs> extremely petty, but I kind of like it. It was just really ugly to look at for seven games. Seven games of that. It was really, no. Like, I'm sorry. Here's, here's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm looking at ESPN right now. Three days ago, there was a, there was apparently like these, the Stephen A is, is, and, and, a couple other hosts are talking and thinking that the Knicks are just going to go get Doc Rivers as a coach. Doc Rivers is going to leave the bleeping Clippers to go coach the crappy New York Knicks. That kind of self, like imagine doing that with, with like the Pistons that every year you're saying the Pistons are going to go out and they're going to be able to sign LeBron James. Cause that's what Knicks fans think is that every offseason is like, we're going to get Kevin Durant. We're going to get LeBron James. We're going to get the Pistons. The Pistons. The Pistons did do that with Steve Kerr, right? They got Blake did Griffin they? too. No, they no, got but the, Blake Griffin. They not. said they were going to get Steve Kerr, and they didn't get Steve Kerr. Yeah, but that's that's one that's one example versus <laughs> like fifty I could lay out for you. And those people who thought they'd get Steve Kerr are also insane for the Pistons. I'm going to stick with Columbus and and just go Ohio State. Like I know I know it's that outside of football, but like that rivalry permeates everything. I'll I'll get mad Is if they're rivalry? Feeling- wins Michigan beats Michigan. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. I hate, I hate that they're good at basketball now too. I hate, <laughs> why are they so good at things? They man, are so annoying too, man. Ohio. State, Ohio so many, State. What's up? How did they get so many 18 year olds to go to Columbus, Ohio? I'll fight you on that. Columbus is actually, in the shallow pool of cool cities in Ohio, Columbus is probably at the top of it. Probably number two behind Athens. Congrats and Athens on being the, the best smelling piece of shit. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much what I'm saying. But like, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm with you in that. And Ohio, like, I remember when the Ohio State fans, when Ohio State beat Alabama to go on to the national title, just how annoying they were. Like, and a happy Ohio State fan is the most annoying person on earth. Yep. No question. They're just, they're, they, they are sore winners and they just want to lord over you. They're definitely the funniest group on Twitter. The, the, the 50 something year old Ohio state fans who like care a little too much. Definitely top yeah, tier people to follow on they're, Twitter. They're like they're them and St. Louis Cardinals fans <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, that's going to have to do it for this week's POD cast. Thank you to our two guests, Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter and Mansoor Shaheen at Mansoor Shaheen, making it very easy for you guys to remember their, their Twitter handles. And we appreciate that. As for me, I'm Jeremy Resman. I'm at Detroit Online. Thanks for joining us this week. And don't forget, it's chaos. Be kind.